hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Welcome to the Green Top Outdoors podcast with your host, Hunter Brooks. All right, welcome to this week's episode of the Green Top Outdoors podcast. I got Andrew Napier with me today, and we have a special guest today, and his name is Ricky Davidson, a local hero of local mine. Local legend. Uh, legend. Local legend. Yeah. He's a, he's a man that has an answer for everything. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. We'll find out shortly, but we're going to put him in a corner <laughs> here in a minute. Yeah. yeah. He's got an opinion on everything. Yeah. No, so a little background <laughs> for Ricky. Ricky's been shooting a very long time, hand loading a very long time. He's a fixer of, uh, I think you've, you said you've only found one rifle you could ever not get shoot, right? Correct. It was like a Walmart Remington yeah. 770 or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yep. I'm not surprised on that. Those those yeah. aren't those not surprised they're the not in production anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but Ricky's a wealth of knowledge and local absolutely. resource. Friend of the store is his own speed dial. That's right. He is. Yep. Like I said he's my, he's one of my heroes. He's the man. <laughs> he's the man. He won't say it, but he's the man. And if you ever doubt his shooting ability, go shoot with him. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody can bring you a group that they poked with a pencil, but. To see it done is pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, getting your hunting rifle zeroed in before the season. Tricks of the trade, I guess, whatever yeah, you want to call insider it. Yeah, uh, insider scoop. Insider um, scoop. Ricky's been doing it for a long time. You know, you and I, we've done it for a long time, and we've encountered issues, and we're going to talk about some of those issues today. But from start to finish, we're going to get into what to bring what to do might be a helpful hint secrets. mixed in there yeah, yeah some secrets and hints and stuff that's right first thing you go ricky is you got to come prepared wouldn't you agree correct uh make sure you bring your staple gun staples. yes staple gun and staples tools yep. tools, tools. Um, scope adjustment tools yep yep that's a good point on that staple and staple gun combination yeah because one without the other because I've, I've done i've forgotten the staple i have before. done both yeah. and then and i've but I've also, and the next time I brought the staple gun, mm-hmm. I forgot the staples. Yep, it's it's a it's a very frustrating Correct. experience. Whatever you plan to do, thumbtacks, staples, yeah. electrical tape, just put it in a bag and take it with you. Put it in a green top bag, and multi the, use. Yeah and, yeah, and the key thing is you're you're going to do something that's very important that you want consistency the entire time because right. it's important to be consistent because you want to know what that rifle is fully capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Yes, and in order to be consistent, you got to be able to take your time. Right. Yeah, and you can only fix a consistent issue. Right. If you have an inconsistent issue or a big group or, a, you know, I shot in a rush and then I had all day, you don't even know where you're at. You know, it might take you three rounds of sighting in to get comfortable. Right. Yep. So be sure you get your list together, which everything you need to take. And so if you're listening to this, go ahead and get a pen and pencil, pen, paper, pencil, whatever you yeah. got. With a good eraser, because we may backtrack. We might. Yeah, we might. <laughs> yeah and, and we'll touch on, we're going to touch on muzzle loaders too. Yeah. Because that is quickly approaching, the, that season is going to be here, what, two, three weeks? Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, very, half, very soon. Yeah. You got any black uh, horn powder? No black horn powder, no. <laughs> none. But you can call and check anytime you like, sir. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go through, let's just go through what you need, the essentials of what you need to take to the range. Um, some of these things you may not necessarily need, but... I would recommend it. Sure. You know, to be prepared. Yeah, and if you have a range bag, things that can stay yes. in it. It's yes. not going to be a whole truck full or truckload of stuff. Yeah. I mean, some people think, you know, well, that's, that's a lot of stuff to take for just doing one simple thing. That is true, mm-hmm. but it does make a big difference. Makes it an makes exponential difference. difference. Absolutely. So, all right, you got your rifle, you got your ammo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's just say whether you're hand, you got your own personal hand loads or you got uh, factory, factory. factory mm-hmm. rifle ammo. You probably, in my opinion, if you're if it's a new gun that you haven't shot before, 
I would try bringing multiple loads to try it. Wouldn't you recommend that? I would. Yep. You're just not really sure what the what the rifle is going to mm-hmm. like. And know? it's good to reference when you buy the gun or when you're at home getting ready to go what my twist rate is, yeah. and that might could cut out a little initial frustration. Yeah, yeah. So if yeah. you can, if you're a fast twist or slow twist gun, you can favor a lighter or heavier bullets. So you could buy. 165s and 178s instead of having 150s and 180s and maybe you didn't even cover your you're not even within the rifle spectrum right you know start you could you could get that advantage at home so do do a little research on yeah what you're just know what your twist rate yeah. is that that might save you 35 dollars you know or call you. green top mask or call the that, store yeah. that's right yeah whether new or used gun all that yeah. information's out there yeah. yep yep um next we got hearing protection and eye protection that's a must, a must. and it's cheap it yes. is. <laughs> and it does not come back. Yeah. yeah. If you lose your vision and yes. lose your, your hearing, yeah. it does not come back. And it makes it a whole lot harder to shoot when you cannot see it. It's a, yep. Yeah, you're right. So just, I mean, that's a simple fix. Yeah. Uh, the $15 muffs that we sell and the, the $3 weed eater glasses that we yeah. sell. Yeah. Just and something to have in there. Yeah. The the $0.59 cent plugs that you can buy just yeah. about yep. anywhere. They're foam yep. plugs. They're, they're Keep them in your bag. Leave them in a range bag. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about rests. Because we're starting at the firing line. Okay. The rests are... We didn't bring I, any targets yet. We didn't, we didn't bring up targets yet. No, just before we get ahead of it, because I'll forget them all the time. I yeah. got everything yeah. I got, and I don't have any targets. Well, I even why, got staples and staples. bag. You put everything in that bag. Yep. yep. And you like shooting off a grid target, one yes. inch by one inch or two inch by two inch square yeah. target. Because I can shoot the intersection of the grid as another aiming point. Correct. Okay. And you have worth a bore-sighted gun, not only do you have the 12 by 18 sheet, but now you have the 12 by 36 sheet and the seam across the middle yeah. or the staple across the middle. Yeah. Right. I think it's important, too, that if you're sighting in and you shoot a grid target and you have a good scope or a magnified scope or a spotting scope, it saves you from walking 100 yards all the time. Yeah. You can really read your one-inch, two-inch yeah. measurements off of that. Yeah. So I think it's only before I got away from us. Yeah. Well, nice um, to have something to shoot you at. You know, in the color of the target, I, for me, it, it, I'm not, I don't like bright stuff. I like the simple black and white or mm-hmm. like a red and white. Um, yeah, the, the red and white NRA, NRA red, targets. Yeah, I see target. the blue pretty good too. Yeah. Yep. Um, so bright stuff for me doesn't do it. You know, it doesn't mean it doesn't work for anybody yeah. else. Yeah, and a know? blank white piece of paper with, a, you know, the shoot and see stickers, I have. I don't have any reference on them. I don't right. know if my radical's level. I don't know where right. my inch marks are. You just you end up wasting four or five extra bullets finding the sweet spot. Right. Yeah. All right, so targets, staple gun. Staples, target holders and backers. Yeah, um, you got to have that figured out before you go somewhere. You can't mm-hmm. don't don't just uh, tape don't just pin a target to a tree and shoot at the tree and let right. the wind blow it all around. Yeah. Exactly, it's <laughs> nothing more frustrating than almost getting it. And here comes a little gust, and your yeah. target flips over. Yeah, yeah. Um, and police your area, make sure nobody's around. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Make sure there's make no sure bow hunters out there yeah. or livestock or make sure the Especially direction this time of year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is a what's a cow going for on the hook? Uh, I'd hate to have to buy. <laughs> I think one. it's I think it's up for seven eight hundred dollars on the well, hook. Well, especially if you shoot it and it's the favorite cow. <laughs> Correct. It be in Correct. It's, yeah. It certainly pays the check. <laughs> and for all the people out there, a chicken and a duck are free range, and it is the owner's discretion how much it costs. That's right. So exactly. if you shoot your neighbor's duck on accident, <laughs> he could tell you that's a blue ribbon you know, state fair duck, and you got to pay what it costs. They're free range animals. It it is in your best interest to look around and see what's out there before you start that's shooting. A fact. Yes. <laughs> I don't know that the hard way, but I know a guy who knows that the hard way. Uh, what's next? So now we're sitting at the table. 
That's right. We're sitting on the line. We're sitting on the line, and we need a good rest. Because mm-hmm. I think the rest is uh, – I don't think people give enough cre- good credit to a, a good rest. Good rest. Mm-hmm. Um, sandbags are fine. Sure. Sandbags are fine. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bag guy. I like You're bags. You're a prone shooter. I like shooting, I like shooting mm-hmm. prone, too. Uh, it's comfortable. You can become one with the rifle if you're You prone. can. Yeah. You can. You can become one with the recoil, too. When That's right. Prone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can feel it all the way down your spine. Yeah, you will. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. The, Correct. The 300 Ultra Mag will, will wake oh, you up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, rests. Sandbags are by far, I think, I'd say the most popular. Yeah. yeah. And any uh, definition, whether they be sand or uh, airsoft BBs. Yeah. Filled bags or the leather yeah. uh, protector bags, at yeah. least I, you know, some style of sandbag. And then, you know, like Ricky, you've got an adjustable front rest that you use a lot. Yeah, heart. You got a heart. A three leg, um, like an 18 inch three leg yeah. rest. Yeah. Yep. And then um, you like to use a rear bag. Yes. Correct. I'm a bag squeezer. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I like to squeeze in the bag too. And I think Armageddon gear yep. is, uh, is pretty popular. These days, yeah, the light. Shout out to Armageddon shout out, yeah, Free shout out. They're <laughs> yeah. they're pliable. If you're a bag yeah. squeezer, they're yeah. great for them. They're not cheap, but they will last a long time. They will. They will. Um, and Ricky's a uh, right right handed shooter. And he's a right elbow bag user, which I am yeah. too. Yeah. I've grown to be that too. It's really comfortable when you're sitting behind the gun. You don't. Have, it's effortless. Yeah, it just takes all the tension out of your arm. So explain yep. that. So you're behind the gun. Your right elbow is on the right side of the bag. Kind yeah. of chicken winged yeah. out. And yeah. you just lay that bag and you lay your elbow right on it. Right on just it. Just as comfortable. And then you use your left to for, squeeze for squeezing the bag mm-hmm. to move up, down, up, left, down, right, left right, however you want to yeah. do it. Yep. Yeah. Um, a lot of people just don't they don't think about that. They they usually will go just, just stick the gun on the bag yeah. and go for it. But and that, they, they'll the want rear, to keep shoving the rifle forward, back, forward, back, forward, yeah. back. But if you're in the sweet spot and balance point and the rest, and all you need to do is just a, sque- a little squeeze, five pounds worth of pressure, you can hold that five pounds worth oh, of yeah, pressure easily. for 30 seconds, yeah. right. get your shot under control, instead of almost feels like you're shoving the rifle down to hit the sweet spot, then you shoot, yeah. the, the rifle's going to walk yeah. right back up. And then the recoil feels funny, yeah. and you're not doing that every time. So we'll all, we'll we'll be touching on consistency mm-hmm. all throughout yes. this. So consistency again comes up where when you wherever you place your rifle on your rest front and rear, make sure it's consistent with every, every mm-hmm. time you do it because you want that consistency to be sure that sure. it's what you're doing. And you want it to track back and forth. Back and yeah, forth. Yeah, you want yeah. to go into slide. Yeah. Yep. So which leads us to um, well, let's go right into bipods. So bipods another way, another form of a rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think bipods are best for probably for uh, hunting applications. Yep. Yes. Um, you know, you can get by with that if if because you never know sure. you might if you're hunting out west or if you're on the if you're you're walking a lot you you never know what you're going to encounter. And they're and good for three, four, five hundred yard shots or sure. thousand yard shots if you're comfortable behind yep. them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's some there's some very good bipods out there. Yes, they are. Um, <laughs> and there's some very expensive ones out there. Sure. Uh, the ones the they're more expensive ones. Uh, Harris is by far, I think, your best for the money. Sure. Um, they're not as rigid as some others like Atlas right. and or MOA, uh, or, MOA. Yeah, and but they're those. they're strong and they're yeah. consistent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but you take the legs and you point them towards the muzzle, so that when you flip down, you shove it into the legs, right. not collapsing a bipod. I've yeah. seen that on a. You got to load the bipod. Seen that on a thousand hunting rifles where the bipods flipped the wrong way. Yeah. Right. And you're like, Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's all That's all for show and not for go. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's 
there's got to be consistency if you're going to use a bipod on what surface the bipod is setting on. Yes. Uh, I notice on your table, you've got like a really hard, is it a hard rubber mat? Yes. And that's what you usually put your um, bipod on because yeah. bipods don't tend to do as well up right on concrete. Right. It doesn't slide as good. It doesn't flex or move, yeah. I guess. And and we'll get more into the doesn't movement. slide post shot yeah right yeah like you we'll get to. we're going to get more into the movement of the rifle here very very quickly mm-hmm. uh, on the next uh, rest but um, bipods yeah for working on an extremely hard surface usually don't don't move like they should which will affect your accuracy and your yes. consistency yeah and your okay. recoil and your yeah. recoil mm-hmm. yeah feels like the gun's punching you instead of you moving with it right and I mean I would probably get the best grouping out of a rest. Get it sighted in that way, and then put your bipod on it and change your zero from there. Shoot a hunting right. group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you shoot. I don't know how many thousands of rounds you shoot a year, but you know you're you know what's consistent, and what's not. Yeah. Based on because you've tried all the different things, you've experimented with stuff, and I, by far you would say the way you do it, adjustable front rest with a rear bag is the it's best the way, way for you. Me. Yep. Best for you. Yeah. Comfortable too. Yes. Um. Before we uh, get into, well, let's go ahead and get into the next one. Lead sleds. Pros and cons on that. The only pro to that, in my opinion, is you don't feel the recoil. It's recoil. That's the only one. Yep. Yeah. That's the only one they got to offer. The 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 con to lead sled or cons to lead sled is, it's it's several. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 50 pounds. Yeah, they're very, <laughs> so you have to transport one. It. Yeah. yeah, it you, hurts and, your back. And, and you need... I guess to, to, to really get that thing to do what it's supposed to do, you have to have weight on it. You need yes. to buy disc weights or sandbags yeah. yes. or something, to let, bulk lead to put underneath that. Right. Yep. But it's not it's not a rest that I would recommend anybody use all the time. No. No. Not for the gun's sake. Right. Or for the shooter, because the yeah. shooter pick up a lot of bad habits yeah. shooting off. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's not, making it an inch longer. It's 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 making the gun to where it's not, it doesn't really fit you. Mm-hmm. You're basically getting behind the gun, moving it around. And you're squeezing the trigger. Mm-hmm. You're not actually shouldering that gun. You're not actually shooting it. And you're not actually shooting sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other downside to it is the movement of the gun. It's eliminates it. The lack thereof. Yeah. 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 It's eliminating all movement, which is not natural. Nope. And it also could uh, hurt certain parts of the gun. Yeah. Put stress on scope rings, action screws. Okay. Stops, recoil lugs. Recoil yeah. Recoil lugs. Yeah. All scopes. That. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a like, lot of jarring around. Yeah. It's like just slamming on the brakes. Or like hitting a brick wall at 100 miles an know, hour. Yeah, it's yeah. just blunt force. Yep. Yeah. And you and the shooters don't see that. You know, the only thing you see and perceive is, man, this really does take a lot of recoil out. Yeah. It, it works as advertised. Yeah. Well, you know, there's some, I think you can find it on YouTube. You can do a slow-mo rifle sight mm-hmm. in or something like that, and you can see the just in a slow-mo video what – what goes on and the mm-hmm. whip of a barrel and the oh, whip yeah. of everything and yeah. the shock and all of everything coming back. I mean, it's pretty incredible. It is. And you're stopping all that yeah. right before it hits you, which is great for your shoulder and your collarbone, but it's not great for nah. all the timed screws and machine parts that are in there. That is right. Yep. Now, you know, there's uh, there's there's several lead sleds that are out there. 
Cal- Caldwell is probably mm-hmm. the number one selling, but but Caldwell makes some other great rests. Sure, they, oh, yeah. the they rock, do. They, they do. do the rock. Yeah, the rock rest, the, the bag style, the, the yeah. bulls bag style yep. rests yep. are, yep. are great. And, and we're not here to pick on them, but we're here to just present the facts. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, they're great for recoil. They're great for pattern and shotguns. They're great for working hot loads for guns that you're experimenting with. But sure. I don't think that provides your most consistent group. No, it's not going to give you consistency. That's mm-hmm. and that's what we're going for. Um. All right. Table wise, if you if you if you don't already have a a, a nice table, yeah. Well, to let's shoot. find out what what's a nice table, Ricky. What's the real deal to shoot off? And <laughs> a, and a what do you top. and what do you do for a living? I'm a brick contractor. <laughs> okay, so you're very familiar with uh, 12 inch blocks in concrete. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. but a, a probably the ideal table is rock solid with either an adjustable height or adjustable chair. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if if it, let's just say that the only place you have to go is um, is outdoors, or like a national forest, like and that. it's on a field. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and we'll get into distance in a minute. But you, you know, you only got a hundred yards, and you don't have a table, and you got a, like an old military field table or mm-hmm. an old uh, folding table. Uh, you just got to do the best you can with what you got. Sure. Yeah, make it as rigid and solid as you can, yep. and uh, as level as you can too. Yeah. A, a white yeah. plastic card table can zero rifle. Absolutely. If you yeah. if you're not stressing the tables, yeah, you just you can... load it with some weight to, mm-hmm. to keep it yep. rigid. Yep. Set so, a lead sled on one side and shoot off something yeah, else. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so and then chair. You, you know, you want a comfortable seat. You want to be able to get at the right height of the. I mean, how, how that's an it's more important than you think, isn't yes. that right, Ricky? Yes. So explain to, explain that a little bit on why it's important to be at the proper height of that of that gun. Well, because you, you're if you're on the gun, you, your scope's lined up exactly right. Uh, there's no tension on your body, so uh, that's mainly the you know the, less the likely thing. to to torque yeah. your rifle and and, yeah. and squeeze too tight, I guess, yeah. while you're shooting. Yeah, and the tighter you pull in, the more. Uh, exaggerated a left to right movement is sure when you're kind of floating the gun and when it's sitting all i guess when i'm behind a gun it's maybe just the scope's maybe a little below eye level and then i kind of crawl into it to to present it all eye level. but your your neck isn't stressed your back yeah. isn't stressed feet need to be flat yeah, yeah you no, want to be no sitting on the ground and this is all bench work not tree stand work right so yeah. tree stand you you may have to cross your legs and lean on your safety harness to get a shot yeah right. but you already know what the gun's capable of at that point right exactly and i mean the hunting situation presents itself when you're hunting mm-hmm. Each but, one's different. but 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 you'll at least know what your rifle is fully capable of yeah. before you want all that to do before you, you go exactly Correct. you can blame a bad rest but you can't blame a bad group right if the gun can shoot exactly yep. Yep, which most can. Well, according to Ricky, in the last forty-three years, they'll all shoot. Yeah, other than they one. will, and we'll get into that because that's, <laughs> that's the that's the most that's the hardest part of all this. Yeah. Is uh, that's the fun part? Yeah, See, yeah, I think the table is key. I, yeah. I think it's really, really, really key. Maybe well, the, yeah. more important than the rest is how sturdy is your table. The and table, are you uh, the table is part of your rest. Yeah. so therefore, it's got to yep. be just as good as your rest. And are and you a push you against are. shooter? Or are you a sit back shooter? Like. Yeah. Uh, we have a good customer of ours who stands up and shoots, and shoots pretty consistently to about 300 yards. His sighting table standing up. Hmm. Yeah. That works great for him. It's yeah. not for me. I hate it. My dad well, shoots I mean, like that. You're limited, up. you know. Because yeah, and you feel like you're throwing your your bottom half of your weight yeah. all over the place. Where I want to just be relaxed. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, so rests are good. 
got the pros and cons of that. We got our target squared away. Um, the other thing I added was chronographs, lab radars. Mm-hmm. Some people like to use those because they're testing um, hand, loads hand loads, or they want to. Yep. They, they truly want to see what they're doing because they're gonna. Um, they're going to get a, get a ballistic turret or mm-hmm. something made for their uh, scope. Yep. That's um, not a resource for every. That's a resource for everybody. It may not be a purchase for everybody. Yeah. But that's a good group decision. Or yeah. uh, we shoot, the eight of us shoot together all the time, or we have a shared range. Let's all go in $45 a piece, buy a chronograph. And buy a nice and chronograph, yeah. Leave it here, buy an extra battery, and it's good to, what's the term for the SD, uh, standard deviation? Mm-hmm. It's good to know how your rifle shoots and controls hot versus cold versus first shot yeah. and fifth shot and hand load, up a grain, down a grain. And when you get a turret made, it's key Yeah, that to be within whatever the rifle is capable of. I mean, like like when I go hunting, I want to know what that first shot's going to do. So I'll shoot a cold board today, cold board tomorrow. And the next day, on the three same different, target, in three different external temperatures, to see where it is. So I know how to adjust for it. Because hmm. that's because that's, that's, that's truly because that's truly going to be your first shot is it's your cold bore shot, your best shot. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's what you really need to know is mm-hmm. more than anything is how your cold bore mm-hmm. shot's going to exactly. be. Yeah. And it may be, and it's something you could probably do in the same day if you brought a couple rifles to shoot. Shoot it cold bore at nine o'clock. Shoot it again at ten thirty. Shoot it again at one. Mm-hmm. You know the wind may change, the temperature mm-hmm. will change some, but you're yeah. Yeah. comfortable, relaxed, one shot. You know, group consistent one shot groups. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And some rifles like to be clean, some dirty, and that's something you need to know exactly. when you're going into hunting. You know, does is my third shot better than my first? Yeah. Maybe I need two foul shots. Which we'll talk about the uh, cleaning of that. Uh, that's one of the frustrations of muzzleloaders. So yeah. we'll get into that here in a mm-hmm. little bit too. Um, and they got an attitude problem. They do. They, man. All of them. Do. They do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have never met a good one. <laughs> uh, last two, uh, we talked about tools. Bringing tools just Bring in case tools. you need those. Bring those. Um, spotting scope or a range camera. You know, there's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, now nowadays, I mean, it used to be just be spotting scopes. Yeah. Now. You can set a camera up down there, whether it's just a hundred yards or if you're just shooting five hundred yards, mm-hmm. and it plays right back to your iPad. And you can you Bluetooth, can see, yep. Yeah. And some of this software will actually measure the groups for you. Correct. Yes. And they're yeah. affordable. Yeah. They yeah. are. Caldwell, I believe. Shout out. To yeah. Caldwell. Come back and come back. Yep. Caldwell. Bushnell just came out with a nice little long range camera. Yeah. And they're practically the price of a spotting scope. Yeah. So, and so a lot of cases cheaper. Yeah. So yeah, we, um, we use them to a thousand. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they're Bluetooth. A lot of them are yeah. Bluetooth to a half a mile or a yeah. mile, but they yeah. get good reception within a thousand yards. So there's ways of saving yourself time and mm-hmm. headache of between every other shot, walking all the way down and sure. checking your target and measuring it and doing all that, where your cameras or your spotting scopes can tell you what you need to know. Yep. When on the gear, I would. I always bring a sharpie marker. Yeah. And mark out if I'm wearing a target out, I'll mark out my old hits yeah where i'll i'll label one two three hopefully they're all together it doesn't matter which one's one two three but um cross them out or have those little stickers that go over top of them and even just a plain white sticker i'm not going to shoot at again but i don't want another bullet from a different rifle to go into that hole yeah and then get mixed match yep another thing too is getting up and walking back and forth it affects your old affects your heart rate absolutely which, which is good which it's good is, it's, it's good, good, good if you're under stress if you're shooting under stress mm-hmm. yes 
But if you're going for consistency, it's not good. Right. Correct. Not not at the table on Saturday. Unless you are consistently walking back and forth. To that <laughs> Correct. Target. Shooting the deer. <laughs> exactly. I missed. Go back to my rifle. Come back. Exactly. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It affects your heart rate. Yeah. And when you come back, you need to. This is really corny shooters thing and a health thing, but. I know in the shotgun world, you want to drink plenty of water. Oh, yes. you got to be able to see what you're shooting at. Yeah. And your eyes are your first thing to dry out. If your lips are chapped, your eyes are dry. Yep. And that's something people don't think about it in the winter. They don't think about it when they're hunting because yep. they're not sweaty, thirsty. But when you're shooting and you're trying to get everything dialed in, make sure you can see them. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to go home if you're having a bad eyesight day. Yeah, or let your buddy shoot your gun. Yeah, because it's not going to help. Um, I mean, if it's – if if if, if today's just not your day at the mm-hmm. range pack it up and go home correct don't don't, don't make it more frustrating well, let Ricky and, and i know it. that yeah yeah even, yeah even you've experienced that Yeah, because if i sit down and i shoot and i know if i'm gonna have a good day or not if i'm not i don't shoot yeah yeah there's no use of wasting yep right let ammo. someone else shoot for you yeah. Yeah. or save you the 20 dollars in ammo you're getting ready to blow and and yeah. i know range time is tight yeah but it's hard to say i'm gonna shoot saturday at 10 if it's raining at nine thirty Saturday, and you're not in a covered spot, you know, with dry targets, it's not in your best interest to shoot. Yeah. If you're just jamming it in there, it's, you're not doing the rifle a good service. Yeah. So by the way, and if if anybody listening does not have a place to go shoot, go to where to shoot dot org. Yes. And you can find a local place to mm-hmm. shoot. Whether you're uh, in Virginia, Central Virginia, yeah. or if you're at West Coast you or something like that. Set your parameters, 50 shoot. miles, 100 miles, whatever yeah. it wants to be, and it tells you rifle, pistol, shotgun, public. Yeah. Yep. And Andrew will give you a shooting lesson. That's right. I don't know about that. I'm still <laughs> in school myself, but still in school. <laughs> okay, so we're, now we're getting to the point where we're, we're getting ready to shoot. Yep. Now, um, distances. A lot of people don't have the opportunity to shoot in certain distances. Uh, ideally, Ricky, what's the ideal distance to shoot? To sight in. To sight in. Well, if, if I go in my safes and pick up any of my rifles, every one of them are zeroed at 200 yards. Okay. That way, if I go hunting, I know that gun's zeroed at 200 yards. Right. For me. Yeah. Um, most people, 100 yards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A lot of people like to do the 75 and 150. I don't like it because no. they're oddball yardages. Hundreds synonymous with rifle your scope clicks based off 100 yards it's easy to remember it's a football field yeah. it, 100 yards is consistent the information on the back of the box yeah it's all based off, all of, based the, off of ammo box yep. Yeah. yep but I'm with Ricky my guns are 200 yards yeah. I would advertise most people do standard calibers 100 and magnum calibers 200 okay because most of the time from 0 to 200 2 inches alright yeah it's, it's not point, a miss. it's yeah. point and shoot Yep. Yeah. Which, um, you know, explain that, Ricky. So if, if, if most people, they only have 100 yards to shoot, but they want to zero their gun at 200, how do you do that at 100 yards? With or without a chronograph? Without. Okay. And that's a trickier question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now, you'd have to research uh, – if, if you know if, – if let's just say you're shooting factory ammunition and uh, Hornady's telling you that that's, it's 2,700 feet per second is your – that's, that's what the muscle. box is yep. doing. Um, and, and you're kind of going with the trajectory on the back of the box or whatever the the numbers. The drop in inches. The drop in inches yeah. or whatever you run on Hornady's website yeah. or, or uh, That's Hodgden a great resource. Like that. that lock and load Hornady. Yeah. Or just do a great it in resource. Your head. Yeah. 
Or, or if you hang with Ricky long enough, he'll do it in your head. You he'll your shout head, out yeah. a number, and he'll tell you which direction to turn the scope. <laughs> and then he'll say, hold left edge, you know, make a clean shot, boom. Yeah. But what's, what's your – you have an answer for that on how to how to get good at 200 if you can only shoot 100? Well, <clears throat> for me, the best way to practice is practice longer distance. Yeah. And when you get the 100-yard shot, it's like – I can close my eyes and shoot. To layup shot. Yeah. yeah. I found that the more I shot longer distances, the easier the short stuff did. And mm-hmm. I mean, and that's when I say short, I'm like, well, 300 yards is nothing now. That's a, that's I'm zero to confident. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, zero to 200. Yeah. Top of the back at 300. Yeah. Done. Yeah. I would and, say and, without spending everybody's money for them, buying a small caliber rifle, buying a trainer rifle. 223. So two, or, or a 223 or a 22. If you yeah. had a 100 yard place to shoot and you like to shoot, if you bought a 22 that's normally sighted in at 25 or 50 yards and you stretch it to 100, now you're getting the same effect as your rifle at 200 with the little rifle at 100. Right. And that's a big training tool. It's a big military training tool. Mm-hmm. Shoot small caliber, shoot, 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 yeah. get really comfortable with holdover yeah. and adjusting your scope. Yeah. Get used to your trigger. Yeah. yeah. Get used to breaking the trigger. Yeah. Put snap caps in. Breathe in, all shoot, that stuff. I shoot, mm-hmm. t- I shoot the TV all the time. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> snap cap all the time. Yep. Just to get used to the trigger. It's good muscle memory, yeah. trigger control. Yep. But since you touched on it, Hunter, going off the box, the box is based off a 24-inch barrel, Magnum Caliber's 26-inch barrel. Yeah. It's going to be pretty close. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I just did a Creedmoor just like that. Mm-hmm. Guy bought and uh, I mounted a scope, got it zeroed at 100. Shot the deer at 500, just did the calculations in my head, dialed it up, ding. Half off the box. Right off the box. Right off the box. So it's pretty close with yeah. no chronograph, with no yeah. way to check it. But that Hornady lock and load app, you can plug in all your parameters, and it's that's extremely close. It's as close as X-Ball, which costs a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. So it's good software for free. It. If you can get X-Ball, yeah. So it's good technology that's free on an app, and if you're – not a chart or a picture person. You can the deer standing out there at three ninety seven. You can scroll to four hundred yards, plug your wind in, and it it well, does a lot of work for one you. One day I was shooting a thousand yards out at our place, and it's one of those things you forget. I forgot my sheet, and I couldn't pull it up on my phone. So I called Ricky. I said, Ricky, I'm shooting Ultra Mag two two hundred eight grain Amax. I'm going a thousand yards. My zeros was two or whatever. I said, What's the best guess? come ups you know and then he uh, i think it was like 30 whatever 32 whatever like that and i was like, all right thanks i hung the phone up and did it second shot i was ringing yeah. the steel yep. and that's just off top of his head so <clears throat> i guess when you when you're rounded enough and you and you start doing sure. enough of yeah. it you, you you remember that sort of thing yeah and that's one of your favorite calibers too yeah. right oh, yeah, yeah I love the Ultra Mag. oh yeah <laughs> that's yeah. my favorite yep um will it kill a deer <laughs> yeah, you hit them just right. You might have to shoot them shot placement. Yeah. So after all right, you got your distance, you got your targets, you got everything set up at your at your range. Um, if you haven't if you haven't had your rifle bore sighted yet, um, bore sighting is a pretty simple thing to do at the range. If you mm-hmm. have uh, certain guns, certain guns you can't bore sight. Sure, obviously. you need a clear line of sight yeah, through the bore. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so get into the, the 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 traditional way of bore sighting which is the way you normally do it yeah explain that real simple real just, simply what you do all i do is just take a bolt out line the bore up with the target where i wanted to and then dial the scope to the bore yep 
and you're looking basically you're looking directly down the bore right down the bore to see in the bags so yeah. if the gun stable to yeah. see the yeah. yeah the gun is stable you're looking straight through the bore you see the target and then you're looking up through the scope and you're going to now move the scope to the bore to the bore and that's that's the simple that's, that's the simple and that's the that's the most accurate way to yeah. do it too yeah the and that's way, something we do every scope that we mount here yeah. and mm-hmm. most of them we went a long time using a uh, uh, bore gauge or a muzzle gauge to to dial them in, but everybody now is is just going back old school bore sight and locking the vice. Find something in the store it might be a duck that's over top of fishing counter and put What's it on its head, best? dial right to yep. it. Yeah, you don't need a target. You yeah. just need you just need a point something of, to look a at. A aim. leaf, a spot, a knot on a yeah. tree, something. Yep. And it's key to have your scope level too. Yeah, that's and, the big thing. Right there. And they right. complement each other, having a bore sighted and level. So add that to your list. Get a level. Bring a little level. We sell them Probably here. They're level. they're. A Car- little tiny. He uses a carpenter's level, like yeah. a, an eight-inch level. Yeah, we sell the little two-inch levels here that fit on the scope. Fit caps. right on the scope cap. Yep. Yeah, yeah. that that'll help you know that uh, that everything's level. Yeah, because when I said when you do the scope, I set the target up, plumb the target. Yep. Grid. For mm-hmm. those out there who are not sure, plumb is a vertical level. Yeah. yeah. Level is left and right. Yeah. You can tell Ricky's a carpenter. <laughs> yeah. If level is left and right, plumb is up and down. So now, once you plumb the target. Then your reticle is reading correctly. Yeah, then you get your gun level. Then you put your scope on it, get that level to the target. Yeah. Makes your shooting a lot easier, too, because you can line your windage marks or the left and right side of your turret on the line so you know you're not twisting the rifle. Right. Yep. Yep. That way you can shoot any intersection grid for Mm -hmm. anywhere on the target. Anywhere on the target, yeah. All right. Um the other, yeah, the other option is using an arbor style bore sighter that you you screw into the muzzle or one of the lasers, mm-hmm. and they, they they actually do pretty good yeah. job. Yeah, they they're will. consistent. They'll yeah. do a pretty consistent, like an AR fifteen. If you got to use something like that for yeah. the laser or something uh, that you don't see down the bore as yeah, well. Semi muzzle loaders, a lot of them like that. Mm-hmm. Muzzle loader, mm-hmm. things like yeah. that. And that will work for most part as what your vision will allow at any distance. Yeah, you could bore sight it. Depending on the size of your bore, at two or three or five hundred yards, oh, yeah. you can you can start at the extreme distance. You don't mm-hmm. have to start at twenty five yards. Right. Yep. So, uh, going back to distances, for those that cannot, or that it, let's just say you don't have a way to bore sight, you don't really have a hundred. Uh, you don't you don't have a, a long distance to shoot. Uh, can you zero a gun at twenty five yards? You can. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people do it. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of you got a lot of math or figuring out to, involved. You know, you got to look at the. You have to reduce a lot of fractions. You do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that is possible. Um, if you cannot bore sight a gun, and you're not sure exactly wh- where this thing is shooting, I think most people are brought to a decision to make. Bring it to me. <laughs> <laughs> three three decisions to make. Do I yeah. take it to Ricky? <laughs> Or do I, I figure it out myself? Do, do yeah. I shoot it at a short distance first, or do I just go ahead and shoot it at a hundred and see what happens? If you can't do A, do B. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So shoot it at a short distance yeah. first. Mm-hmm. I would always recommend that too because you want to limit frustration. And I think Bingo. if you start shooting at a hundred and you're not seeing it hit anywhere, that's you're going to keep shooting. Oh, you, yeah. yeah. It's going to you're going to start to aim differently. Mm-hmm. You're going to start to get fr- the frustration level is going to rise and you spend and then, a lot of money. And it's a bullet gonna, waster. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be packing up your stuff and yeah. 
getting getting a little pissed off. And so. if you have a target, me. yeah, then yeah, you're still going to end up calling Ricky. But <laughs> if you have a target stand or a portable target stand or a portable bench, and you you're feeling good, your buddy bore sighted, he's been hunting his whole life, and you started a hundred on a twelve by twelve sheet of paper, and yeah. you don't hit it. I wouldn't waste another bullet unless you know you yanked it or you sneezed when you shot it. Something extreme. Yeah. I wouldn't waste another bullet. I'd move the bench or the target, cut the distance in half. Yeah. And if you or get to fifty, it, yeah, you can check your bore sight. You can do all that before you have a start. Yeah. And yeah. then when you, if you miss again, cut that in half. Yeah. So yeah. If you don't, if you're not hitting it at fifty, you could shoot it over top of the scope and hit what you're shooting at 25 yards. Yeah. Right. You, know, you could shoot off the top of the turret and hit what you want. Oh yeah. But if you're exact, I'm with you all the way. You want to have a hole in the paper after you shoot. Doesn't have to be in the right spot, but now you got an adjustment. Yeah. And. Going on adjustment, which I see is is on your list. Ricky's different than most because Ricky trusts his shooting. Ricky trusts his guns. Ricky trusts his hand loads. Do not move one bullet. Move a group. Yeah, you got to move an average. Yeah. It's because one Especially one great shot ammo. and two bad shots yeah. and factory ammo and temperature and all, a lot of things relative. It's hard to move that one bullet because it's unlikely that you will be that consistent every shot. Right, and and you know just shooting with Ricky, uh, you know I think the last time I think I was zero in a three hundred eight last time, and we were a shot. And then I think I went into my second shot. You didn't say anything at first. And I had that round sitting in that chamber cooking. Mm-hmm. Cooked it. And and I and I, I never thought of it. I just kept waiting. Then I think I got off the gun because I just didn't feel comfortable. And I got back on it. And sure enough, it was a, a mm-hmm. very in, inconsistent mm-hmm. shot. And, and you brought up a good point. You said, man, that thing's been sitting in that chamber cooking from your first shot. It it more than likely threw 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 things off, mm-hmm. um, and it was probably close enough to kill something, but it wasn't sure. the group that you wanted. Sure, yeah. but yeah, but it added to frustration. Mm-hmm. And if I had just done, if I had not done that, and a lot of people probably do that, and it never crosses Correct. their mind that 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 that's that's what ha- yep. what's happening. Yeah. Everybody another, wants to bang and put another bullet in there and then BS. Right. It's but if it you know if you if you do that and like the conditions change. I pop it out and put the new one. Put the new one. one Put a fresh bullet in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another reason why, if you're not in a very shaded area, the ammo that you are shooting, keep it, keep it in the shade, keep it out of the sun. Yeah, like when we hunt in summertime, I keep mine. I keep a thermometer in there. I want to keep my ammo under 80 degrees. Yep. Because it has the same effect as cooking in the chamber. Exactly. Because if you if you laid it on the dash. It'd be like you adding two grains of powder to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I was going to ask: Is it warming the powder and making the ignition hotter, or yeah. is it is it the bullet weight itself? No, it's just warming the powder. Warming the powder. Yeah. Okay, makes it makes it more combustible. Just like when you shoot a gun hot, mm-hmm. the more you shoot it, a lot of times it's going to start spraying. Yeah. yeah. And I mean that's not that's a proven thing. I mean, yeah. they're, correct. They're, that's not an opinion. That's, that's a not fact. an opinion. It's a fact that if you leave these things out in the sun, whatever, um, it's it's going to increase speed and it's going to mm-hmm. be, be more inconsistent which just, is not what we're yeah, going for just like in the winter time when it's freezing mm-hmm. you know i keep my chamber empty i keep a, a round in my pocket that stays 70 ish degrees 70, 80 degrees <laughs> right. and that's your first shot and that's my first shot that goes in the gun yeah hmm now in a in a more realistic world and come back come back to virginia <laughs> with us 
if you're a average deer hunter shooting average distance, 300-ish yards, and you walk into the field and it's 28 degrees in the morning at 6.30 and you shoot a deer at 8.30, that bullet's not going to be off the deer. No. And it's no, probably no. not going to be more than two inches off. No. But you, the perfectionist, want consistency. Yes. The average hunter can get along with shooting that. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, an ambient temperature yeah. bullet. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, most guys, if they can shoot a six-inch group at 300 yards, they'll kill every deer they ever shoot at. Okay. Yeah. And swear up and down, this XYZ brand in this caliber is the greatest shit that ever and, happened. And that deer was yeah. 500 yards. Yes. And yeah. he was this big. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you hear about the one-armed guy caught a fish? It was this big. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. So yeah. You're, you're, that's a good shooter's perspective, but for the average hunter, the an ambient temperature bullet is okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And... I just like to take all the variables out. Yeah, it's it's, and it's keeping consistent. You keep that bullet between fifty and seventy degrees. It's a whole lot better than twenty and ninety degrees. So if I know if I if I miss, which I do, I know it's not the. It's on the shooter. It's on the shooter. Yeah. Now, do you leave your ammo in your vehicle the night before you go hunting? I do not. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that. I knew that was going to strike a nerve. (laughs) Yeah, I do not. Yeah, and nor in the summer. You don't put the the ammo. You don't put the ammo in there the night before you shoot. And if it's a hundred degrees during the day, when when groundhog hunting, I put an ice pack under the ammo in a cooler. In a cooler, not against the box. Yeah, where it stays cool, Mm -hmm. eighty degrees. Yep, I think it's key, and a lot of and. I don't think so with modern scopes, especially modern advanced scopes, but it's never good to leave your stuff anywhere where it's temperature sensitive. Yeah. Because it leads to rust. It leads to the potential for gas leaking and your seals leaking in your scopes. I'm lazy, and I do it. When I'll do it with a shotgun and maybe a buckshot load, I'll leave it in my truck. Mm-hmm. Probably not to end the world on a 30-yard shot, but on a custom-built rifle I have with hand-load ammo, I don't think I should leave it up to the temperature to decide whether I hit that deer or not. Right. You know, it's it's kind of taking being accountable for all my stuff. Well, and that's the thing is you've spent all this time, all this money on uh, ammo, on bipods, mm-hmm. scopes, rifles, whatever it is, um, and it's now it's time for you to shoot. Now, it's time to pay off. It's, yep. It's time for it to pay off. This is the most frustrating, but the fun, m- most fun you'll most have. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Is 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 getting behind the gun and, and actually pulling the trigger and Correct. zeroing the gun and seeing what it's capable of doing, seeing what you're capable of doing too. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the most important thing because the the quality in all these products, it's all these products combined. They're gonna they're gonna get the job done. Yeah. The most important is the person pulling the trigger, squeeze, squeezing the trigger. Sorry, yeah, not, not pulling the trigger. Yeah. I thought you pulled it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you pulled no, it from, shotgun guys. from left to right so as hard as squeeze, you could. Yeah. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze the trigger. trigger. Uh, that's the but that's, yeah, that's keeping all the important. factors within your control. Yeah, is is doing all the right things because you know you at least at that point in the game you have confidence in your equipment. Yeah. yeah, but if you're, I got a couple of hunters bullets. I got a couple of Ricky's bullets. I'm gonna shoot a seven shot group. Well, that's not doing anybody any good. Right, you got. Inconsistent ammo. You're probably in a rush. The barrel's hot. You're yeah. cooking the bullets. Not doing. Yeah. Not doing the deer a service. Well, and and for for beginners is all I can tell you is just get behind the gun and shoot. Sure. The more you shoot, the more experience you're yeah. going to gain, and the more you're going to learn from these experiences, like we have. Yeah. Um, all and, this information you and I have 
most of it's from Ricky. Yeah. But a lot of it's from frustration. It's, yeah. I can't get this going to shoot. You're going to get frustrated. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and it's, it's easy to just blame that scope or blame that mount or blame that mm-hmm. gun. Uh, but a lot of it is, is this, I think it boils down to fundamentals. It's old school. Keep it simple. Stupid. Yeah. You got Absolutely. all your stuff yeah. with you and, and having it all within your control. That makes a, that makes a huge difference. And plus, you know, plus when you get confidence at shooting. Correct. Like I do, I mean, like when I'm hunting, I mean, if I see a deer at four or 500 yards, I mean, I don't have to shoot it, but I know I can. Sure, it's yeah. within your ability. And yeah. it can stretch your ability just because your confidence is going yeah. up. I know with this gun and this load and this chart that I've proven in the two mm-hmm. weekends a year that I did not go Cobia fishing in July or whatever. I didn't go play putt-putt with my buddies. I didn't go out drinking. I shot my gun, and it's ready. Yes. And then now in November, all I got to do is pick it up, ready to go. And, ready and to it go. pays yeah. huge dividends, especially when you have high-dollar equipment and yeah. you have limited time to hunt. I know you have limited time in the summer, but if you took one half a day and shot your rifle, we brought all your equipment with you, got with a guy who knows what he's doing, done, taken care of. You can get two guns sighted in if they're efficient in three hours, you know, and you're good to go, you're done. Put mm-hmm. one. All right. Well, so when it comes to the actual shooting portion – it's 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 difficult to teach anybody to shoot through a podcast. Sure, um, but you know, stick to the basics, stick to the fundamentals. Uh, but reduce for us to reduce frustrations. Let's get into adjustments because while when you zero this, you're going to have some issues. So your first first shot, cold bore shot after you bore sighted, is uh, let's just say uh, vertically it's uh, six inches off. Um, you know and you know, now you got to make an adjustment. When you, depending on the quality of your optic, you need to be careful how you make your adjustments. Correct. You don't want to just zip through that uh, um, that turret. Yeah. Or you don't want it to sound like a kid's dial. toy. You need to click, click, yeah. click. You need to count the clicks and be sure mm-hmm. you're doing it right. Now, now, we would, let's just stick to MOA here. Okay. Uh, because we don't want to get into MRADs, and I don't want people's heads exploding. Because my hurt, my head hurts just thinking about it. I, <laughs> it's, it's, makes more sense, but I don't want it to make more sense. Yeah, so we'll yeah. stick with the old so, man's yeah. scopes. MRAD makes complete sense. Ricky yeah. buys a bunch of. We them. can all agree on that. I call them all old man scopes. They yeah. are simple reticle MOA second focal plane. Yeah. So we'll for the given the present company, we'll stick with his style yeah. scope. And we'll stick with saying that second focal plane is. Probably your best choice for hunting. It's yes. in yes. my eyes too. It it's yeah. ideal hunting scope. Ideal, yeah. mm-hmm. um, MOA. So quarter MOA at a, at a hundred yards. So what that means is, you know, one click will move it a quarter inch at a hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Right. So four clicks is equals one inch. Now that's at a hundred yards. That's at a hundred. Um, and two hundred hour scopes track differently than twelve hundred hour scopes. So there's right. something to consider while you're shooting it. Not that one is significantly better than the other, but they will track differently. And that's a fact. That, that is, is a fact. A definite fact. Yes. That's the fact, Jack. <laughs> yeah. You can so write that down. That's another reason uh, why you get what you pay for. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of great $200 scopes out oh, there. Yeah. Correct. You yeah. can see very good through them, but do they track their adjustments like a uh, Night Force or uh, a VX6 Leupold, Correct. Swarovski? No, they do not. No. And a prime comparison is a Timex versus a Rolex. Yeah. You cannot make a Rolex for $40. Right. You cannot make a Timex that would sell for ten grand. Yes. You have to keep all things relative. Yes, yep. absolutely. So when you make those adjustments, um, 
to avoid frustration, don't don't overdo it. Just just kind of take your time with it. Uh, be uh, sure of the measurement. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you're not, if you can't quite tell through a, a spot and scope or bring a, a camera, tape measure with you. go down there, and bring a tape measure, measure yep. it. Put that in your gear it. list yeah. as a tape measure. I mean, I probably do it different than most people because if I shoot, aim, and uh, where the bullet hits, you know, I put it on a target and dial the scope to the bullet hole. Yeah. Yeah. He chases the bullet hole. Right. Much like an archer would do. You chase the arrow. Yeah. What's that's a that's an old school way of zeroing. Yeah. That way. And it saves you a couple bullets too. That way, if you gun, if your load is good, and um, and your, your shot is good, tracks, then one one shot you should be done. Right. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to avoid frustration, that's a good way to try that. Yeah. So back up. Your first shot is uh, six inches right of the dead center of the target that you were aiming at. So you then do what? I I put it. On the bullseye. Put the crosshair back to, to the bullseye. And hold it there. Rocks and off. Dial, and dial the scope to the bullet hole. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then and you, it's, are you counting the clicks while you're doing that? Nope, because the clicks might not match what you're doing. Right. Bingo. Yep. Right. So if you've got, whether you got a $200 scope or a $2,000 scope, yeah. either way. You'll see it move. You, oh, yeah. You'll see it you'll, move. You'll watch the crosshairs move. And then, so for, for people out there experimenting or is new to this, try to do it that way. Uh, you might save yourself some ammo mm-hmm. uh, and frustration. That's and, a good thing to do at close distance too. Yeah. I, when I get a little further, I like to move. I like to do the clicks because it's reconfirming or reassuring that the scope is tracking. Yeah. So if it's six inches right, I'd like to go twenty-four clicks. Yeah. And I tap the scope because that's something you probably hadn't had to do in twenty years. But when you tap them, yeah, it feels like everything's mm-hmm. moving into place. Yeah. And sometimes you shoot and make an adjustment. So Ricky's adjustment, he may have already. Maybe he went 21 clicks instead of 24. And he shoots again, and it goes 80% of the way. He's probably going to shoot another one to make sure that the scope moved all at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes the measurements or the adjustments don't all catch up. Sometimes yeah. that recoil jars everything into place. Right. So, yeah, and, and it's you, something you see in lower-end scopes. And you can, you can test your scope if it's tracking. You mean you shoot one, you dial it up 10 inches on a grid, Shoot again if it don't hit ten inches. If you got a good load and a good rest, and, and a good you know rest the gun is yeah. not tracking. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can track it all the way around, left, yeah. right, up, and down. You, whatever. you can tell if you're on a plumb line if you shoot, and if it's off to the right, and if there's no wind, that means your scope's not level. Yep. Yeah. Because it can't. It. That's true. Yeah. Yep. It can. It can be a pretty in-depth process, yeah. but for your two hundred yard point and shoot hunter. If he can get that reticle to cover the bullet or vice versa, he's he's happy. That's yep. right. And sometimes that may be using the one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Sometimes that's holding the rifle centered and drifting the reticle over. Right. Yep. All right. Let's get a little bit into the uh, muzzle loaders because everything we've talked about so far, Yay. you can do the same thing <laughs> Yay. with muzzle loaders. And we're talking black powder. Black powder okay. guns, um, in lines, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything we've said so far. Everything we've said. Center fire base, but it overlaps. Absolutely, yeah. mm-hmm. you everything you can do with, for muzzle loaders that we just talked about to go way back to the beginning before yeah. we get away from it. It'll do Ricky a service that I say this: get your sling studs off the bags <laughs> when you shoot, and it, it, so, it helps so with the placement. natural flow of the rifle. So placement of the rifle on the rest because mm-hmm. if you have important. a so if take, you have a well, target one, gun, take your sling off. Take sling, yes. bingo. 
take your sling off. Do not off. show up with the sling on it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And take yeah. your sling off when you get in a tree stand. Well, you'll kill more deer and you don't even believe it. That's true. You'll knock over less water bottles. Exactly. You won't, you won't lose another left-handed glove because yeah. you don't know where it went. Yeah. It's, it's things just like a dog's tail, it, like a Great Dane's tail. It gets in the way. Yes, it does. But not everybody's got different resources. Sure, so sure. It's, I like walking with a sling, too. I'm not bashing the sling companies. Yeah. Right. But get that stud off the bags. Yes. I've been yelled at and hit in the back of the head enough. <laughs> I, it's time for me to share that information. So the stud is the stud belongs in front of the bag. In front of the front bag and behind the rear bag. Correct. Yep. And if yeah. you're on a soft, pliable rear bag, doesn't matter. Yeah. It's getting absorbed. Or, and a lot of people ball up T-shirts, sweatshirts, and use the rear bag, sure. which is fine as yeah. long as you're stable. Yeah. But when that front bag, you want to have enough gap where the rifle can slide and you're not ruining your $60 bag. Yeah, because it's you're not shoving a stud in there. I've but seen. you got a two-and-a-half-inch beaver-tailed four-end rifle. You want to get all two-and-a-half inches on the rest. You mm-hmm. want to let the gun level itself instead of you torquing it on that stud. Right. So I'm speaking on Ricky's behalf. Get the stud off the bag. <laughs> <clears throat> I know from experience. And it will affect your group. Yeah. Because you may hit the stud, you may not. You yeah. may hit stud, you may not. You're all over the place. Well, so if we're, we're talking about muzzleloaders, and we've talked about consistency this whole time. It is the – it is. The, I can't stress how important consistency has to be for muzzleloaders because these are the most finicky damn – Guns. Yep. Yes, so many are. factors. And I'll include slug guns in on this. Yeah, yeah they're in the same conversation. Because they're in the same conversation. And they're not fun to shoot. They're not. They're high recoil. They're loud. There's a ton of smoke. They smell. It takes time to yeah. shoot them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, just, it can be very frustrating. You've got to take your time with this. Um, and then there's times where you're just going to have to clean this thing. Oh, yeah. In mm-hmm. order to get this thing to shoot. Yeah. Now, let's just go ahead and talk about expectations. Expectations for a muzzleloader. With an off-the-rack Black off powder, the rack, black powder gun that you have got maybe five hundred bucks in everything with an or in, in an average scope, yeah. an average hundred and fifty two hundred yard scope. If you can hit a cantaloupe at a hundred yards, that is probably close to as advertised. Yes. I would like to think softball, maybe closer to a baseball. I was going to go softball, mm-hmm. baseball, but. I want t- I want golf ball, but yeah, yeah, I know I'm the same way. But we're looking at yeah, yeah, I do too. But for the average hunter, average you, gun. But if you're shooting under two, let's just say you're shooting under two inches at 100 yards, you should be happy yes. to pack up and go home and say I can go kill a deer with that. Exactly, because your bullet is a half an inch. Yes. <laughs> so if you got a two inch group, you know, a, yeah. uh, a quarter of that's taken up by the bullet hole, yeah. bullet size. Not to mention, <clears throat> you're the one doing the loading and everything. Correct. Um, you know. Whether they're pellets, loose powder, doesn't matter to me. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they both go bang. Mm-hmm. They both shoot that projectile out of that barrel Correct. to that target. Um, I don't think it matters to me which one it is because they're both going to be inconsistent in which way you Correct. load it. You know, whether how Correct. whether and it's up to the shooter. Right. If they want a an as consistent as possible two hundred yard muzzleloader, it pays to weigh your powder mm-hmm. and it pays to play with your bullets and your primers. If you want a Close as I can get it, I don't really care. I'm only going to hunt with a two weeks, 100-yard gun. Whatever you buy, you can make it shoot. Right. Yeah. Yep. And playing with the primers is a big thing, too, because you you need you have different ignitions. Mm-hmm. And the black powder gun is propelled. Yeah. Right. And so it, it is burns at once, and then that energy is shoved out. A smokeless gun, center fire, smokeless muzzleloader, is a fluid ignition. It's a it's burned over the length of the barrel, so it's two different ignition systems. Mm-hmm. So two different primers, three different primers, four different primers. 
I know primers are hard to get, but for seven dollars a sleeve, it's worth finding out. Yeah, sure. You know, and for a couple blocks of powder, it's it's normally worth finding out what shrinks and what swells your group. Consistency well, is the best thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, making it, sure you do the same thing every time. Every time. Yeah. If you load it with one hand and close your left eye, do it every time. Yeah. Just just keep it the same because they do blow up. Yep. And you're you're making a bullet. Right. You're making a a, a loaded round. In well, the in the chamber, and the key the key, especially to muzzle loaders, is you know, is taking your time and being patient and don't don't be in a rush. You right. know, that's I've not an overnight a, thing. I've yes. seen a lot of people have heard of, heard of a lot of people getting hurt. Other people getting hurt because they just got in a rush and it's talking on the phone, talking on the phone. You know, yep. um, left your ramrod in the barrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, double loaded it, double loaded, double charged it. it. Yes. Uh, Whatever it may be, very dangerous. So uh, it's very, you know, you got to be very, very, very careful. Yep. Um, I like about, to have the buddy system on a muzzle loader. Yeah. A loader and a shooter. Yeah. One guy is responsible for one job. Yeah. I prefer that, but if you're by yourself, just it's, it pays to have it laid out before you get there. Mm-hmm. I got ten bullets. I got ten Being powder prepared. charges. Yeah. I got ten speed loaders. I got one mm-hmm. ramrod. Yeah. And I'll you put, put it one load on the bench at a time. At a time. Yes. Yeah. Don't work out of a big. A bottle of powder, work out of a pre-measured or two uh, white hots in a, in a pipe cleaner. Yeah. That's, how you, that's how you load. As long as you can stay consistent with you all the way, it's key. They are da- All guns are dangerous, but they're dangerous because you're doing a whole lot of the sausage making right there mm-hmm. in front of it. And yeah. then the phone rings, you know, it's a bigger phone, and your buddy just caught a 38-inch rockfish, and you're excited. <laughs> well, hang on a second, I shoot this gun, kaboom. Yeah. yeah, you know you don't, and you don't know where it went wrong. Yeah. You can't backtrack where it went wrong. But as you load and shoot, it's good to put unloaded on one side, loaded on one side, have it all laid out. What about some? Do uh, you got any tricks or um, secrets, Ricky? Whether it's rifle shooting or muzzle loading, first cleaning, things like that. A- anything that uh, that I mean, you I, do, that... like a new gun, I would break in a new gun. Okay, because it makes it easier to clean down the road. Yeah. So I shoot five times. Shoot one clean, shoot one clean for five, and then most of the time you're ready to go. Okay. You see new guns speed up as you, you break them in? You, no. Usually a new gun will probably speed up about 100 rounds, give or take. And how how intense is that speed up? On an average gun, middle road caliber, 270? Uh, it could be 50, 75 feet. Okay. Some guns, 100. <clears throat> yeah. And you just never know. Some guns don't. Yeah. Hmm. But it's good you you're a five shot shooting clean. That's yeah. what we did with my rifle. Yeah. Five shot shooting clean. And hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll see, see the you, group size. Yeah, pull and in. you'll see as you clean it through those five shots that you'll be using less and less patches because it's getting cleaner. Getting cleaner. Quicker. Yeah. Now here's okay. a question from the fans. <laughs> do we buy patches and cut them to size? Or do we buy the correct size patches and use the correct size jag? <laughs> what I do is I buy the next size under jag and the oversized patch. Okay. To get a good cloth fit. To get a fit. big cleaning inside there. Okay. Okay. All right. That's good. That's, that's a, a, great, it's a good it's a question. Great, yeah. It's actually a great question. Because a lot of times a 7-millimeter so jag and a 7-millimeter patch are tight. Yeah. Tighter than you want. Yeah. Are so, you a two-patch man? No, I'm one, one. patch. One I, patch. I, I, I okay. set my – because I've got like – 20 cleaning rods for different calibers mm-hmm. so i know which one that's undersized i use that patch on 
Okay. And I use 99% the same patch. Okay. You know, all the guns because they fit because you've set for 22 you've built yeah. that gap in small yeah. jag big patch yeah okay now okay. with a muzzle loader that's another question from the fans <laughs> do you shoot it dirty or do you shoot it clean or do you do what the gun likes and leave enough time to experiment uh as a whole as a as a whole general i gotta rolling. do what the gun likes okay um but you're gonna have to clean them I mean, I use a wire brush with a patch on it to clean them because it, you know, the wire brush will get it loose. Patch takes it out, you know. Yeah. How important is it to clean your flash hole? Uh, Your breech plug. Yeah. Okay. And I've found that the hard way. And we sell cleaning kits for breech plugs and sometimes a pipe cleaner. I've used a welding flux tip cleaner. I've also gone to Home Depot and got the same size drill bit, and yep. you work it in by hand. That, mm-hmm. that has worked the best for me. It gets your flash hole without opening it. But the inside of the breech plug, as you shoot and burn and burn and burn, now you're lifting things off of the breech plug. And some powders require a flat breech, some of them are concave. Mm-hmm. I think it's important and efficient that you have the powder in the same spot every time. Oh, yeah. That you're hitting the same oh, part yeah. of the rifling every time. Yeah. And I always have an extra breech plug anyway. Correct. Keep one on standby. Just in Two case. is one. Just one is none. Just yeah. in case. Um, I prefer a gun that you don't know until you get it. I like a gun that shoots dirty. Five to ten shot dirty. Mm-hmm. Maybe three to ten so you can get one or two Fallon shots. You put it away. This is how it's shooting right now. And then the next seven to ten shots you can load without breaking your back, without slamming against a tree. Yeah. So it's loading tight. My breech hole I keep open every shot. I take a little drill bit in and out. The breech I'll clean maybe every five shots. But you need to get in a jam where the gun only shoots so good clean and you're at the extent of your yardage and you shoot a deer and you want to shoot another one or you need that deer's getting up, you need to shoot them again. I think it's important people yeah. know what muzzle just do on a second shot. Yeah. It's way different than center fire guns. Yes. Um last question. Out of all the variables that are out there that can uh, be a part of uh, misses and inconsistencies, frustrations, whatever, what's the what's the one variable that you think is the number one number one cause of misses or or bad groups or bad groups or frustrations? Um, wind. Wind. Okay. Yeah. Other than the shooter, I mean, the shooter that's, obviously is the best. That's given that all, I should have said things that. are consistent. You know, uh, if you take the shooter out of the application, what, what, what? Uh, and yeah, I would agree. Wind is probably the very hardest thing to do. Yeah. Can't even, see even, it. even wind can affect you at a hundred yards. I mean. Oh yeah. 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 I was and stressed I like shooting in the wind. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Ricky shoots in the wind all the time. He, yeah. he waits for a 15, 20 mile an hour day. It's good I practice. See what he does. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And he takes. Normally takes his most frequent hunting rifle on the windy day. I need to know what this. I'm going to be holding this gun in three weeks. I need to know what it's going to do today. Mm-hmm. And I'll take a wind meter, but I'll guess the wind mile per hour, shoot, and then take the wind reading. Yeah. See how close I am. Yep. I or think look it's, at the grass or look at the leaves. Well, you got to know if you got to you got to trust yourself, right? Exactly. Well, you, you learn. Thing. You know, if you yeah. guessed eight and it was blowing. 11, that's probably close enough. Close but enough. if you guessed 8 and it was blowing 17, well, I'm way off. Yeah. You know, I'm off the deer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got a wounded deer running somewhere. Correct. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you um I think your rest is important when you yeah. when you get off the range and you get out in the field. <clears throat> excuse me. I think people everybody wants to be a sniper. Everybody wants to shoot 1000 yards, 500 yards, 200 yards. You got to know what your gun can do. Can't outkick your coverage. I think people get so caught up in this gun shoots a quarter size group 300 yards I can't miss. And when you get in that tree stand with uh half inch uh, square tubing as your rest that ain't a 300-yard rest. You need to be a 300-yard shooter to overcome the rest. Sure. Well, you need to practice. You need to practice. Once you get your gun sighted in, you need to practice how you're going to hunt. Yeah. yeah. Off of bipods, put yourself, off of bad rest. Yeah, put yep. yourself in those situations. Post, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. And bring stuff with you. I always bring a uh, owl-eared and over-the-rail bag with me. I bring a rear shooting stick so I can hold the back of the gun up. So the gun's kind of floating. It's sitting on the expanded metal as a tree stand base. Yeah. And that's probably a three to 400-yard rest. Is that a window bag? No, it, it, would, bag? it would be referred to as a window bag, but this is an over-the-rail bag. Um, it, well, no, I, mean, know, I think you, it's big. If you Once you get the zero in and, and when your gun is sighted and Correct. you know what it's capable of, that's when you really – like you're right, Rick. you got to put yourself in those situations. Uh, I mean, if I'm if – I'm, uh, when I say still hunt, when I'm a stalk and hunt, if I'm walking along, if I'm going to have to drop to a knee and shoot off off of a knee, yes, I've got to practice to you do that. You need to have done that before. You need to have yeah. done that before mm-hmm. because it is it is not easy to do. Yeah. Um, e- even if it's you may only be shooting eighty yards, right? Still that's enough. That's, and your heart's yeah. pounding. That's yeah. still it's tough. You know, he's deer of a lifetime. Yeah. yeah, you should. You may do better to lean against a tree. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. also, put, if you do that, make sure you something in between your gun and the tree. Yeah. Because you lay it against that hard surface, it's going to go shoot somewhere else. It's right. going to slide differently. Yeah. You right. still want that natural flow. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So practice, practice, practice. And where, how do you pull the trigger? You shove your whole index finger in there and yank it <laughs> you back. Hook it. If you want to get slapped in the <laughs> That's <head>. right. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. You, you like breaking it with the crest, with the, with between, the joint, or in, the pad? In between the joint and the pad. Yeah. Right yeah. there. You have good contact and yeah, you, cause you can, pull you can straight back. You can practice that because you can squeeze you. Watch a scope when you're shooting the TV. You can pull it, you'll see it move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get too much finger. Yeah. A little bit out, it doesn't move. It just it might just tick it a little bit. Yeah. And that's something that you can do at home for free. Yeah. yeah. Then you can really find out what you. What and are you, you a thumb a thumb up top or are you a thumb wrap around? Well, depending a, on what you're shooting. He's a wrap around yeah. with no pressure. Yeah. yeah. See, okay, I you just rest I, it. Yeah, I take all the pressure off. Of, I, let, I actually let the gun kick me. Yeah. Because I I don't want to impede anything it's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the thumb right behind the safety. Yeah, I'm thumb the same up. way. Only yep. because a lot of guys squeeze. Well, if you don't squeeze the exact same yeah. thing every time. Well, it's, it's, again, consistent. we start about it's all about consistency. Yeah. You have to be consistent and deliberate in, in that consistency. Yeah. All Ricky throughout. looks like he's shooting a shotgun, but when he shoots, his hand doesn't move and a gun does. Yeah. Like he would almost bump the safety finger. back. Exactly. Right. right. So, and I hold it more upright I'm like a handshake yeah. and the only contact I have is my bottom three fingers yeah. and I'm just leveling it resting my thumb down pulling the trigger straight back yeah. but everyone's different every stock is different yeah. um, little every skinny different. little yeah. skinny sporter stocks sit different in your hand uh, vertical yep. McMillan style stock sits different in my hand and you gotta pay attention to what's, what's happening when you shoot cause if if you're shooting something and it's it's recoiling off, if it's if or if let's say your knuckles getting hit, something's wrong in your setup. Something's wrong because yeah. you got to mm-hmm. change something. Yes, do it because if you don't, 
what, what do you think you'll be thinking about? Yep, you think yeah, about your exactly. knuckle, why it's hurting. And, you and close you want, both eyes and the deer's yeah. going to run off. You know, I hit him, I miss him. You'll start yeah. flinching and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So it's all about consistency. And don't forget to practice shooting with both eyes open. Mm-hmm. Both eyes open. That's right. I'm with you. I know. All the way. That's a that's the shotgun it's, in me coming out. I know. It's tough. It's tough for me sometimes. Especially right. if you, you know, you're looking at one deer, you're getting ready to shoot that deer. The big one standing there, you can't see. That's yep. right. All he sees is the flash. You lose yeah, all his the peripheral. Little buddy, go away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I would say as a hunting tip, scan the field before you pull the trigger. Oh yeah. Which I didn't learn until I bought a pair of binoculars. I always hunted off the scope. I had a binocular and swung a gun all over the place. I have no idea how many deer I ran out of a field, but I know I lost a bunch of deer because I'd be zeroed in. Let me look around, swing around, and now my deer's gone. I'm mm-hmm. like, damn. I don't, that's the one I wanted. Nothing else showed up. But at, looking around before you shoot is key. Yep. Because you may see something that you weren't expecting in your favor against you. It's You might see the wind pick up a little. You mm-hmm. may not feel it where you are, but you'll see it over there. Right. Yep. Oh, last one. I forgot to bring this up, Ricky. When you're zeroing in, uh, variable power rifle scopes. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are going to crank it up on the highest magnification, whether it's a 9 power, 10 power, right. 24 power, whatever it is. Right. Uh, do you also shoot that at a lower on a second focal plane scope? Do you shoot it at a lower power as well? Yes. To see just to see, just to see if there's yeah. much difference. Okay, I forgot see if to bring your that up. Are correct. Yeah. Yeah, because on second focal planes, there can sometimes be depending on the scope, a difference in zero. Oh yeah. On certain magnifications, yep. yeah. so you want to shoot. If if you're going to be sitting in your stand, if you got a six to twenty four scope on your hunting rifle, mm-hmm. I don't think you need that much. But if that thing's going to be sitting on six power when you're hunting the oak, oak woods, you want to know what that thing does on six power Correct. versus 24 Correct. power. Correct, exactly. And yeah. six power at 80 yards and 24 power at 80 yards, probably not a big difference. Right. But when you're losing light and you see the deer you want to shoot on 24 power and you lose the reticle and you back it down to 11 power, mm-hmm. it could shift your point. It's a great thing to check. Yeah. Once right. your gun's zeroed, Once that you, could be your last shot. Last thing you do is mm-hmm. just check check your different Cut it magnifications. Cut dial it back, yeah. yep. And, and, and you may be talking about very small differences. Mm-hmm. It's, probably, uh, it's probably not a miss on a deer. Probably not a miss, but you still want to know. You still, still want to know. You want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that falls within your responsibility. Absolutely. And your yeah. second focal plane scope, all your adjustments, the one quarter inch, uh, all that distance stuff, is based off your highest power. Right. Yeah. So when you drop back a power, I always push and you drop back to half because that's a, that's a measurement you can find out in your head. If mm-hmm. you're holding – Four minutes of elevation on 22 power, that's two minutes of elevation on 11 power. So you need to get comfortable on both of those. Yep. And on five and a half power, that's one minute of elevation. You really got to be, it's a lot of math on the fly, but you got to be comfortable at any power range. Yes. Because 22 power is awesome until the sun goes down. That's right. And you, you it's hard see, to see, and you're on seven power shooting 230 yards. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But when you're hunting, I always leave it on the lowest power. Yep. You find what you need. Sure. Yeah. Dial up. And then if you got time, mm-hmm. you dial. If not, you shoot. Yeah. And you know, through shooting groundhogs, a 36 power scope is awesome, but it's hard to shoot off the 36 power. Yeah. Summertime, you, you won't. It, it, it's it's yeah. impossible. Yeah. yeah. Cold, windy, clear days, yeah. you can, but. I mean, I mean, I kill a groundhog at 11.50. And that's not 11.50 in the morning? Yeah, a.m. or p.m. Yeah. <laughs> it was no. probably close to 11.50 in the morning. 1,150 yards yeah. is what yeah. you're talking about. Um, and Just let know, everybody know Ricky's playing a different game than we are. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I had a 32-power scope, but right. the Mirage was so bad, 
you dial the the groundhog was like he was jumping everywhere. Yeah. You dial the power down, 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 comes. down. All of a sudden he stops. Yeah. Seventeen power. Yeah, that's yeah. all you have. Fifty yards. Yep. But you trust the gun, yeah. trust the equipment. Yeah. yeah. Trust yeah. your hand loads. Yeah. Yep. Well, Ricky, thanks for being here today. Yeah, I think you nailed it. No problem. Yeah, we'll have to bring you back. We'll talk about. Uh, we'll get. We'll get more technical. Uh-uh. Yeah, we'll make. You we'll can talk hand loads. See some heads explode. You can talk break in. You can talk. Yeah. O drives and swage <laughs> and <laughs> Coriolis effect That's and all right. kinds of other yeah, stuff. We can, yeah, we can really get into that. I actually do that now. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for being here, Ricky. Yeah, man. Uh, you Thank took you. time taking time out of your busy day. Um, and uh, good luck getting that rifle or muzzleloader or slug gun sighted in. Yeah. Um, Check us out online, greentophuntfish.com, and uh, send in any uh, requests for uh, topics for upcoming episodes or any questions or regarding this. On this one, yeah. Or if, or if you got, if, if someone, if we need to get corrected on something we said, then by all means, send, send Call in us a out. We're ready. Call we have us been out. wrong before. That's yeah. all right. We're yeah. big boys. Yeah. Right. All right. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Green Top Outdoors podcast. Hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Like and subscribe to the Green Top Outdoors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about Green Top at greentophuntfish.com.